Hi, I'm Susan Raff, and welcome to Real Talk. The topic for today is marijuana. That is the buzz all around the state of Connecticut, because Connecticut this week joined about 20 other states in legalizing adult use marijuana, recreational marijuana, however you want to call it. It is being sold in the state of Connecticut. And seven dispensaries uh, started selling recreational marijuana this week. Um, but Despite uh, a lot of hype that there were going to be a lot of long lines, we didn't really see that. And there might be some very good reasons for that. Plus, marijuana is now much more mainstream. So we want to have Brian Essinger, who is a pharmacist with Affinity Health and Wellness, uh, which is a dispensary in New Haven, which went online uh, this week. And you're now hybrid. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. So you've been selling uh, medicinal marijuana and you've been working with patients. Now, a lot of people don't really understand that, you know, a pharmacist at a marijuana dispensary. So tell me <laughs> about your role uh, over the past nine years, because I don't know if you've been open nine years, but that's how long we've had medicinal marijuana in Connecticut, right? Yes, exactly. The program started in 2014. Um, I've been working in the program for about uh, about eight years now. I started in 2015 myself. Did my video just go out? Yes. There okay, we we're back. Right. Sorry about that. That's all right. Um, so the program started in 2014, uh, so about nine years ago. Um, I started in 2015 myself, uh, you know, with the program. And it's it's really been an amazing ride. We we have the ability to have a conversation with patients, to do a full intake with them, get their their medical history, their prescription history, um, and what their goals are, of what they want to get out of using medicinal cannabis as well. And we'll sit down and we'll have a conversation with them as to you know what delivery methods they might want to use, how they want to use it, what symptoms they're looking for relief of. Um, and how we can go about helping them with that, helping them, you know, with their dosing and adjusting that so that they're not getting the side effects of, you know, the the high, the dizziness, drowsiness, lightheadedness, anything like that. Um, and we try to follow them as well because, you know, it's a process for them to figure out, you know, which products work, which delivery methods work, which ones don't, which ones they prefer certain times a day. Um, so we really try to to follow the patient and make sure that, they're getting the relief that they're looking for. Um, you know, just like prescription medications, they'll start you on one antidepressant and that doesn't work after six weeks, so they'll try another one. We can do it a little bit faster than that, but one of the things the patients really like about it is, you know, we give them some, some dosing instructions, but it's guidelines. They are able to dose the medication when and how they feel necessary, and the patients really appreciate having that um, control over their healthcare as to when and, and how they need to medicate because, you know, not everybody is 20 milligrams of Paxil depressed every day, right? We have different days that, that you know, even the weather can change and, and cause us to have a different type of day. So the patients are able to medicate appropriately. If they're having a good day and they need less, they can use less. If they're having a bad day and they need more, they can adjust accordingly there. So we, you know, we really try to stay on, on top of them and, and have those conversations with them and a lot of times we're learning from them, you know, what they've done, what experimenting they've done. And we, we use that information to help other patients as well. We are learning a lot about marijuana, right? And uh, over, uh, you know, and part of the challenge is, is that a lot of research hasn't been done because it is considered and has been considered an illegal drug. I mean, the, the federal government considers it such. 
Uh, but we are learning that marijuana or cannabis uh, can have some uh, health benefits, um, maybe to help people not use uh, pharmaceuticals. But in the case now, so that's that's been established, and I think that most people throughout the country uh, had not uh, didn't have any issues with that. Uh, there are some who see marijuana not something that we should be uh, selling, but the reality is that many states are doing that. Revenue is is certainly part of that. Um, but marijuana has become a lot more mainstream, and I think that what's being sold now, certainly in Massachusetts and other states. Um, people who may have smoked pot years ago are trying it again, but in different forms. Is that what you're seeing now? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of your, your baby boomers and stuff that grew up with this is, you know, sort of part of life in the, in the 60s, 70s and everything. Um, you know, so they may have, have smoked cannabis in the past because that was the only op- option that they had for a delivery method. And they're coming in now and, you know, the, the conversation is very different from what they were trying to do back when they were young. It's, you know, I used it when I was a kid, so they know what they're getting themselves into, what type of effects to expect. Um, but the first thing they say is, I don't want to get high and I don't want to smoke anything. And, you know, that's absolutely fine. And, and the, they, they get very comfortable when I say, no problem, we can work with that. You know, we have op- options and opportunities and everything to get them set up with either, you know, a tincture, some oral drops, tablets and capsules. Um, We actually have some gummies now that we just got in the program Um, just this past week. They started with them. So, you know, we have oral sprays. Uh, You know, there's a lot of different options that patients have so they don't have to smoke or vape. They do have benefits with smoking and vaping just because it can kick in very quickly. You get immediate relief and it's very short acting. Um, but just because, you know, patients don't want to do that, they don't have to, you know, and, and we can really work with that to make sure that they're medicating appropriately. They, you know, they don't want the stigma of the cannabis. They don't want to be, you know, out there smoking in their front lawns, stinking up their house and everything. And, you know, we completely respect that. And they have a lot of options that they can use now. And they they are so much more comfortable knowing that they have options, different things that we can use and even different cannabinoids that we can use for them as well. It's not just THC and CBD. Um, We have THCA, we have um, CBN tablets as well. So other minor cannabinoids are really starting to come to the forefront that we're able to be even more specific with the therapy we're providing the patients. It really fascinates me because I... I see what's being grown. I've had the opportunity to go to CT Pharma and other Mm. places, um, and we're learning so much more and what you can do with uh, marijuana and and have uh, certain strains do different things. It, It is fascinating. Do you think that more research still needs to be done? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the, when it comes to research, there, there has been minimal research done in the U.S., um, but if you look, there is a ton of research that has been done out of Israel going back to the late 60s and 70s. Um, if you do a PubMed search, which is where all of the medical studies are, are located, you'll find about 30,000 studies that are just based on cannabis. Um, but that doesn't mean that we have all the answers as far as the the safety, the efficacy, you know, all of the different cannabinoids and everything either, because, you know, we we want to do better research. And, and we like to believe that we do the best research here in the States. We have some of the best resources and everything to do that. But we've just been limited. And um, the NIH just recently actually opened up the research options for cannabis. So um, 
they lost you up oh, there. You are back yeah. again. <laughs> so, now that they did that, you're seeing a lot more people able to apply to do research. But because of the, the federal status of it being a schedule one substance, they were extremely restrictive on the research that was done. And the only research they were allowed to do or allowing researchers to do in the U.S., was on the the negative effects the you know what what are what's it like when you're driving which is something we need um, but you know the addiction levels and and all of the side effects not really doing the research on the health benefits and how it works and everything so what you've seen actually is drug companies starting to develop individual chemicals that work on these same receptors but because they are so powerful on these receptors they cause even more side effects um, you know, so certain medications that work on those same receptors haven't even been approved by the FDA in the U.S. because of the severity of side effects where, you know, one of the great things about cannabis is no patient has ever overdosed on cannabis. You cannot die from, you know, ingesting cannabis. So that's that's one of the best safety profiles of any medication that exists, any drug. I just found it so interesting. I have friends who were named, uh, remain nameless, uh, but, you know, they all have this array of gummies and different things that they take. And I did find it a little odd that someone said, well, I take gummies every night to go to sleep. And this is someone who probably didn't really, you know, smoke pot at all uh, in their youth. So it's become very trendy uh, among middle-aged uh, people, I'm not so sure if it's good to take anything uh, to have to go to sleep, but I'm not sure marijuana is any uh, more harmful for you than, say, melatonin or what is the drug? Lunesta. Uh, I just yeah. I don't really know. So Lunesta and Ambien are, are two of my least favorite drugs that exist. Um, and I'm speaking from experience personally there. I, I've taken Ambien before. I've taken Lunesta difficulty sleeping and the side effects that you get from them are horrible. I have had more patients tell me that um, I, I had I had a patient tell me that they woke up in the morning, took their kid to school, and then ended up waking up in their car eating a bacon, egg, and cheese from McDonald's that they hadn't had in years, not remembering anything. This is with this Lunesta? Is, um, from Lunesta and Ambien. The situation with Tiger Woods was a combination of, of Ambien and um, I think it was Vicodin or something like that. But these drugs have the ability to, you're, you're awake, you're physically moving, but you're, you're hypnotized, you're out of it. People have told me stories about, you know, they wake up in the middle of the night, they go down and they just ravish their, their refrigerator and they wake up in the middle of the night or the morning and they come down and the refrigerator's wide open, there's food all over the place and they have no idea what happened. And I mean, there's been some really scary instances from these medications and, you know, with cannabis, it, it works in a lot of different ways, especially your THC. A lot of patients can get some pain relief from it, which can help them sleep as well. The anxiety relief that they can get from it can help them sleep too. Um, and, you know, if you dose it appropriately, you're not getting all those other side effects and everything, too. But it, it also helps them sleep through the night, giving a full hour long or, you know, a good eight hour duration of, of effects and everything as well. So, you know, that's one of the reasons that they really appreciate that. And then it, it doesn't have, you know, I, I know I had a lot of that groggy hungover feeling in the morning as well. As a pharmacist, I I'm not comfortable like that. I, you know, I mean, when I was working, you know, retail on the bench in a, in a retail pharmacy, I'm worried that, you know, I'm going to, you know, verify something incorrectly. That could be deadly for somebody. 
You know, I mean, people driving on the roads in the morning, they, they've done studies that Ambien was the cause of a lot of it or these, these sleep medications because people are so groggy and hungover still in the morning on the way to work. And stuff. So, so you're finding that there are quite a few side effects. But, you know, it's interesting. Someone had just said to me the other day, you know, you can't turn on television without constantly seeing one ad after another for some pharmaceutical drug. Uh, I think they bought in all the airtime available, <laughs> really. Um, and, and, and you do see the side effects. And sometimes you wonder if it's worth it to cure one thing if you're going to have 10 or 15 side effects that follow. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I don't know enough about uh, marijuana, but I know that, that that is a concern for a lot of people who take pharmaceutical drugs. And I'm sure there are some uh, beneficial things to them. Um, but I'm hearing from you and from others that, you know, marijuana or THC or cannabis has some uh, benefits when it comes to our health, but more more needs to, to be done because it, it, we haven't done a lot of research, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, there is so much research that needs to be done for so many reasons, for so many different conditions so that, you know, we can really be more specific with how we dose, which cannabinoids we use and, and which are most appropriate. I mean, there you know, you, you really start getting into the minutia of things, you know, the, the terpene profile, which the terpenes are what give the, the flower its odor, its flavor, all of that thing. Terpenes exist in normal botanicals. They use them in prescription medications and stuff as well. They have medicinal benefits too. So, you know, you really get that, that entourage effect is how they refer to it. So the terpene profile of a certain flower of a specific genetic, the strain, can be more effective for say breast cancer than another strain could be. And it's really important that we figure those things out so that those are the strains we're cultivating for those patients and we can really be that much more directed. Um, you know, right now you're, you're dealing with mother nature, so it's not easy, you know, it's, it's still going to kind of do what it is. It's not a, quite the scientific process that creating a chemical and, and you know, making a tablet out of it or a tincture or something is. But, um, you know, they're, they're getting there and, and the more research is just going to do more for people that way. Right. But look at this. So, you know, you have seven dispensaries that went online. Nine were supposed to, but those two will. And we could see maybe 100 uh, dispensaries start selling recreational marijuana. In addition to maybe some health benefits, um, you have buzz driving. You have a lot of people who are driving around. And, and hi, I mean, you know, as well as I do, everywhere now. Um, yeah, I was on a, uh, a ski lift the other day with a young family, and there's marijuana wafting. So people are smoking it everywhere. You go to New York City, and it's mm -hmm. everywhere. So, you know, I guess there are a lot of people like myself who have some concerns that because it's more available, more accessible, more people are doing it, that we need to really um, pay more attention to that. And there are areas of concern. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more there. I, I would say the, you know, the driving is in any operating heavy machinery, anything like that. People think, oh, it's legal now. It's okay. I can do this. No problem. And, you know, it's, it's not a problem for me to drive or whatever. And, you know, even in the regulations, it says that the police officers can't, uh, even if they smell cannabis in the car, that's not a reason to search the car or anything. So, you know, they just think they have this this free license to do whatever they want. And with 
obviously with the accessibility and and it being that you know it's I, I like to refer to it as the adult candy store a lot of times you know people are like oh the novelty of coming in here is so great i can't wait and you know they go home and they just get wrecked because they're not used to the potency of, of what they're getting here and everything and they you know they're not sure how they are feeling or you know and and then they go oh i got to go to the store and get this and that that's really the biggest concern um i mean the only thing that i would say to that is most of the time they're probably not going to be the ones speeding at 95 miles an hour but that doesn't make them a safe driver right i mean no it doesn't going I've under that, the speed limit or just as dangerous before but your reflexes are slower things are different so yep. any kind of uh impairment and i think states have to recognize that and i know that uh the connecticut legislature will probably go in uh, and make some adjustments. It's my understanding that police cannot stop you, even if you're smoking a joint in your car. Uh, that's what law enforcement is telling me. Yeah, they, it's really restrictive. And I, I I don't know if, because that's the thing, is they don't know what you're smoking. And they then if it's if you're not physically smoking it and they can't use the odor to get in there, that really ties their hands in a lot of situations. So uh, yeah, I, I completely agree that that they will have to go back and look at that. And and I think, you know, you're going to see a lot of people abuse this just because they can, because of the accessibility and the belief that, you know, oh, I can do this and they can't do anything to me. And, you know, I, I think you're you're going to have to see some some reversal of some of that, at least to a certain extent. Uh, you know, I think the point was they didn't want anybody to use it to criminalize any particular group of people. Um, you know, especially with the equity that's gone into this, we don't want to see people getting arrested for cannabis and creating criminals in a, you know, in an industry that is really geared towards trying to expunge all of the, um, you know, the arrests and, and all of that. Right, so that's the other fine line that you walk there that and that's really why, you know, they I think they went in the direction they did. Um, but, you know, over time and talking to these other states that have been doing it for a while, I think we can figure something out. You know, I mean, Colorado, California have been doing this for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years now. Um, and, you know, the, the reports that have come out of there that they haven't had increased traffic fatalities, what they've actually found is that they've had more uh, mixed drug in their profile. So like cannabis with alcohol or with opiates or with other things, it's very rarely is it the only medication that they found in a lot of these but it doesn't mean it's not being used and it doesn't mean it's not a concern and an issue. Um, like I said, I, I really think their bigger concern is not criminalizing any, any group that right. they're and trying I think to the, get away the, from. The bottom line is whether you like it or not, uh, you know, it is legal um, and it is being sold in Connecticut. And my take on opening day, if you will, is that, you know, there were people who wanted to be part of something new and historic. Uh, but let's face it, I mean, it's been legal in Massachusetts for a couple of years. People um, have gone there and maybe people feel, well, you know, I don't have to rush. I'll just go when it's it's not as crowded. But it, it did fascinate me that, um, you know, it has become a, a lot more mainstream. But I think there are some challenges, certainly, uh, with people who are impaired and driving. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to make people who never smoked marijuana say, oh, I should try it. But I think you're going to find some of that. So mm -hmm. it, it's a big, complicated um, situation. And also, I think Connecticut is doing it a little bit more uh, unique in the sense that they are doing the social equity part of it. They are allowing minorities to own um, businesses. 
uh, and they are erasing uh, marijuana possession and low-level offenses. So, you know, all of that. But it is, it, it's something that, um, you know, it's a big, big picture, and it probably has some pluses and minuses like everything else. <laughs> Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us on Real Talk. Uh, we'll have to come down and see you. I'm very interested to see some of these, these products. I heard things like wax or different things. And I was like, what, what is that? Uh, and there's vaping and they're being sold. It's very crafty. Uh, and if it you had ever told me uh, when I was in high school that, you know, when I was a mature adult that we would have a the Connecticut Chamber of Commerce, uh, Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, I would have said, that's insane. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I, I have a 14-year-old daughter, and, you know, I say to my wife all the time, it's awesome because she's growing up not knowing cannabis as anything but a medicine and legal and, you know, doesn't have all that stigmas with it. And it's just never thought in a million years that, you know, we'd see to live to see this day, but it's I, I think that's the awesome part is seeing these kids grow up and, you know, kind of like kids in Europe grow up with with wine and with dinner and stuff like that. It's it's not the novelty and this, you know, stigma that it's illegal. So I have to try it and see what it is. It's just it's there. So Right. But I think you've opened up a whole can of worms. Uh, and that is, you know, my kids are older now. And uh, so I don't have any explaining to do. But I think right. that parents that that could be very challenging. Uh, for parents. When I was on that ski lift, there was a young family and they were young kids and they were, were all surrounded by the smell of marijuana. And to try to explain that to young kids, that it is a drug, but it's okay. And, you know, that's difficult. And I don't envy you as a parent of a 14 year old. Right. Fortunately, I have an amazing one. <laughs> Good. But, um, you know, I mean, a big part of that is I have been very open and had conversations with her about it since I started working in the industry. And I've always said, you know, if you have any questions whatsoever, please ask because I, I want you to have that information. And, you know, she's had different times where, you know, in health class or whatever, they're having discussions about it and she's raising her hand to tell them what everything is. And they're looking at her all, you know, cross-eyed, like, how do you know this kind of stuff? But, you know, she knows it for the right reasons. And, and we've really made sure that she's educated as to what it is. And, and you know, she doesn't seem so intrigued by it because it's just always been there, you know, and, and that's um, not to say that she won't eventually, you know, we all grow up and, and want to try things for ourselves and whatnot. But, you know, I, I think that's the important part as parents is having that discussion the same way you do about alcohol or, you know, other harder drugs, anything like that. The, the more open and honest we are with them, I believe the, you know, the better off we'll be. Well, Brian, I want to thank you for joining us on Real Talk. I think we've had a lot of real talk. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, we'll have to come down and... Um, and enlighten our viewers on what's being sold and uh, different parts. But I thank you very much for joining us and uh, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Take it easy. Thank you very much.